0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. As I mentioned yesterday when I chatted about the subject with Mike Sando, I'm going to have John go on, the host of Locked On Jets. Much to discuss. We're going to go around the division a little bit. And first of all, how you doing, man? It's been a while.
1: Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think the Jets are the biggest story of the week, pretty much. This whole front office shake-up and um, GM changes, and then they go trade Lee, and how's this going to sit with Bell? And I, I just want to get your opinions on it. I mean, you're you're closer to the team. You're focused. You're dialed in on this team. I, I want to hear what you think, what you think of Gase. You know, where it all is right now.
1: Oh, boy. I mean, where, where the do you want to start? Big conversation.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, when you get to this point in the off season, you think things are dying down. You think, OK, things are going to be quiet, twi- quiet till training camp. And, you know, only the Jets. I mean, I am still having trouble wrapping my head around the change at general manager, not from a performance standpoint. I think, yeah, actually, okay. if you look at Mike McCagney's job performance, if you actually like really break down his draft picks, his free agent signings, it's I felt like it was actually kind of tough to justify even bringing him back to begin with.
0: Yeah. That might be Um, the sticking point really is why'd you bring him back at all?
1: And that's, and that's what I come back to is why would you, if you had these concerns, why would you let this guy, especially in a year off season where you know, you're going to be active. Why would you bring him back? Allow him to spend a record amount in free agency and run your draft. But why wouldn't, why wouldn't you make the, if you're bringing in a new guy, wouldn't you want him to have like a blank slate, which the Jets roster was, they had a ton of cap space. And early. The
0: owner, yeah. Yeah. Right. Early pig, New coach. Him, oh, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let him run the draft. And I mean, the owner spoke with the media on Wednesday when this happened. And I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but his answers were almost laughable. His comment was essentially I had not done a deep dive at the end of the regular seat by the end of the season to tell to assess the general manager. I only finished it now. Which, oh, wow. How have you, I didn't hear you're that. the Oh, my God. You're the owner. <laughs> You 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 are you don't know how good your general manager is before you head into an off season like this. I I I mean I I hope he was covering for himself. I hope he was, I hope he was just trying to deflect from the idea that this was an Adam Gaze power play because that was just uh, that I that answer makes you wonder what this guy was doing if he didn't know how well the general manager was doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, there's almost no way for that answer to be right. I mean, even like you said, if he's trying to deflect from the situation and you know, shoot your arrows at me because I don't know what I'm doing. But still, I mean, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't inspire the fan base. He has nobody to answer to. He's the owner of the team. I'll get around to it when I get around to it. I mean, that's a feeling you get, or he's just not on top of it, or he's not that concerned. You know, like, what's changed in the last four months that you do it now?
1: And he talked about at the end of the regular season how he thought Mike McCackney had a great plan, and he said that the owners' meetings he's doing a great job. So what's changed between – you know, back when he said that, he said McCagney was doing a great job back in March and now in May. And the other thing was like he said, I thought we had a great offseason. I mean, there's such a disconnect between what this guy was saying and what the Jets did. It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean,
0: I guess you're, you're not going to come here and, and open the windows and show us all the, the real answer of what's going on. But it screams dysfunction and it's not the best run organization the last 20 years to begin with. Um, you know, you got to compete with the, the Patriots and teams like that. And it's, you know, it, it does look like a good off season. I like the guys they brought in. And we're going to do a whole segment breaking down their draft class. But what's the ramifications? I mean, is Gase going to be all in control? I mean, uh, do they think you hire someone with his approval now, which I think is the right move? And then they go trade Lee today or yesterday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Gaze is in control of the organization mm-hmm. now. And that's a, the trade of Lee, I think, is actually what kind of tells me that. Because, I mean, first of all, this, 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 there have been rumors about this for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, there has. You know, a lot Months, of people dismissed yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Gaze was appointed interim GM. And within hours of him being appointed interim GM, he trades a form for former first-round pick. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of speaks volumes about the power he now has within the organization. And, and for a
0: six, too. I mean, just getting him out of the, out out of the door. Yeah.
1: Right, uh, which you know, I think was probably coming anyway, but I think the fact that it happened so soon after McCagnan was let go kind of shows you who's in charge. And yeah, I mean, I get the I don't feeling think that's an accident. You know, like no. uh, <laughs> right, like right. I'm yeah. going to be
0: the one making the decisions now.
1: Right, and uh, I think that you know, the rumored candidates are all people who have ties with Adam Gaze. So I mean, I think they are going to bring in somebody who works with Gaze. And I think Gaze may not have nominally have control of the 53 man roster, but it's pretty clear who's going to be running the show in this organization from this point forward.
0: See, I don't know about you, but if I'm a Jets fan, I kind of like hearing that. And I know that he didn't win a ton of games in Miami, and um, but when they hired him, I thought it was an exceptional hire. I've only heard good things behind the scenes, people that know him. And I think getting the old out and finding someone that works well with the new head coach might be promising. I mean, maybe it's four months too late, but it's better than nothing.
1: Uh, maybe you're right. I mean, I think the my concern is I look at this way, this whole process went down, and it's uh, it makes me wonder how I can have faith that they're going to get this thing right. That's yeah. how I mean, that's how I look at it. I hope you're right, though.
0: I mean, I don't know if you know this, too. I mean, I, I do a lot of work with Steeler Nation Radio. I'm up at camp. I'm close to the team. And I really worry how this affects Lev Bell. I mean, he's a somewhat fragile dude to begin with. He's very interested in making everyone around him happy in sort of an immature way, just like, Hey, I want to be loved. And he's getting bad advice from outside to begin with. And then if you hear, well, now the guy in charge of my head coach really didn't want to sign me. Like that's a bad way to start
1: that marriage. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a concern of mine. And, yeah, th- th- it depends on wh- who you're listening to. Some people say that Gaze didn't want him at all. Other people are other people are saying he wanted him, but he didn't want to pay a running back that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was Albert Breer, Kevin was,
0: Coleman, is the one thing I read. which right. was a lot cheaper. Yeah. You know,
1: right. Yeah, Albert Breer and Sports Illustrated had a theory that, that apparently there was a theory going within the organization that Gaze was like. Gaze said something <laughs> to the effect of, "I don't want him, but I'll coach him if he's here," so he could kind of distance himself. In case it went wrong but then still take credit if it went right so <laughs> yeah. obviously something's going on there i don't know exactly what it is but yeah i mean you wonder what that relationship's going to be like
0: just from a football perspective i think it has a lot of chances to fail i mean just for the money and investing that much in a running back i've been saying for the Steelers that i would have shopped him for trades two years ago i thought the you know he obviously sat out last year the year before that i thought he was a declining player and the year before that, he was a monster. And I thought that was the time to move him. So much wear and tear on his body when he was playing. He's got suspensions. He's got health concerns. Not, I mean, he has injuries in the past. I just worry that he's not going to be what he was to begin with. And, I, you know, if you're Gase and you could say, he might be thinking the same thing. Like, I'm going to distance myself from the situation before it blows up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Could be. It could be.
0: Um, let's take a quick break. I talked about it before I want to skim through the Jets draft here with you next segment, if that works. Absolutely. Cool. We'll be right back. All right. I very much believe, I believe the rumors that New York was highly interested in getting out of the three spot, trading down, maybe, you know, getting a lot of offensive line help. Um, I'm sure they would have loved Bosa, but I don't know how anyone can complain with Quin and Williams. I mean, I know it wasn't their biggest need and they have some, other guys at that position that are good, including Leonard, but you might get the best player in the draft. That ain't so bad.
1: No, absolutely. I, I think the jets were in a situation where it was going to be tough to hate what they did. I think, I think no yeah, matter what, what happened to three, you were going to come away satisfied because you, know, if you traded down, you'd recoup some of the draft capital you gave up in the Darnold trade. Um, you know, if you took Bosa or Allen, you'd have a guy who, you know, could be a cornerstone edge rusher, but, in Quinton Williams, you've got a tremendous player. And like you, you pair him with Leonard Williams. I think that uh, Greg Williams is going to have a lot of fun with these guys. So I think it was, it was a situation... joke to be made there. Absolutely. <laughs> Williams Williams and Williams. <laughs> right, uh, right. Something coming. It though, was, yeah. I just think it was tough to go wrong. I mean, I, I wish I had better analysis behind Quinton Williams is going to be a really good player, but sometimes I think the analysis is that simple. Quinton Williams is going to be a really good player.
0: Yeah. I mean, he already is. I mean, he's going to be an impact guy. Um, you saw around the division, I don't think, I want to go around the division later, but it, I don't think it's an accident that the three teams other than New England drafted a interior penetrator to disrupt Brady. You know, I mean, like you, you got to play against Brady twice a year and Oliver, Williams and Wilkins all come into the league as the first round picks in the division. I mean, you, you got to realize who the top dog in the division is and do what you can to
1: get instant pressure on him. Absolutely, you know, like you said, that's where you get the pressure against New England. So I yeah. think that, that, and I want, yeah, I do wonder whether that was part of the calculus and why they picked Quinn and Williams. I, I think that probably, I'm not, sure, I'm not saying that's the only reason. No, but I sure. think that probably, probably factored into the decision making. Yeah,
0: I mean, in the end, I think he's just the best player on the board by everyone's board. <laughs> you know, I mean, regardless of right. position. Absolutely. Um,
1: safe, safe pick, too. You safe know, pick, too. A guy with a pretty low bust rate.
0: Yes. Not the biggest need position, but such is life. I mean, if you're going to give me a superstar, don't turn him
1: away. Um, yeah, and I think it's perfectly ahead. valid to say, you know, you want to make sure you hit on the third pick. You want to make sure you don't mm-hmm. throw a gutter ball on the third pick. So I think there's logic there.
0: Yeah, good point. Um, the third round pick, Polite, is a lot riskier to me, but the upside is tremendous. I mean, this could be a boomer bust guy. I think he plays like a first-round pick. I mean, everyone's heard that his interviews weren't great, and I can understand that. But, I mean, what was I like when I was 21, 22 years old? Would I have interviewed great with 32 teams? I mean, could he be um, a problem child? Or could you know he mature and become a real asset at a definite need position off the edge?
1: Yeah, and... The Jets did a ton of homework on him before the draft. I yeah. actually was kind of expecting him to go at 68 to the Jets in the 3rd round because the just because of the the extent to which I had heard the Jets had done homework on him, hmm. um, you know, they had him in for a pre-draft visit and he's the type of guy where you just wonder is it the film or is it the pre-draft process which was so terrible? And you know, it it comes down to and this is I guess this is not a great thing to say from a Jets perspective because it's considering you just fired this front office, but this is a question of how much do you trust your front office to do this evaluation? Because you could see this going one of two ways.
0: Yeah, right, right. It is risky. I mean, it's a third round risk. It's not a first round risk, but if he plays like a late first, that's wonderful. Overall. I mean, I know, I know we just kind of, like you said, we kind of just crushed the GM and they just fired him. but they only made six picks, but I thought the Jets did really well. With all of them, I thought they got value. I thought they filled need. I liked the players they picked, and that goes for Adoga too. The other third-round pick, tackle from USC, maybe he's a guard in the long term. But my biggest complaint with the Jets draft was not enough offensive line. Well, he's at least something.
1: Yeah, and that's been an on, that was one of the biggest criticisms of the McCagnan era is Adoga was only the third offensive lineman McCagnan drafted in his tenure. And it was the only one that he picked above the fifth round. So if you look at the Jets, they're going to have,
0: though, I mean, that you can't build a team that way.
1: Right. And you. Oh, I I totally agree. I've said that myself. I think that's a huge that's been a huge problem. And the Jets, uh, the Jets are going to have one of the oldest offensive lines in the league this coming year. Both of their tackles are free agents after the year so. They had to find somebody who. You know, I mean, I don't think Adoga is going to be playing that much this year, but I think they're probably looking more 2020 when they're going to need to figure out. If they're going to need to re-sign or replace both tackles. So I think you know, year two, they're probably looking at him as being a starter.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot. There's probably four spots he could potentially start a year from now or late this year or whatever. I'd like to see them develop offensive linemen, like you said. Draft someone in the first, second round, turn them into an eight-year starter or a foundational player. That just is not at all what they've done, and that's tough. I mean, and it's easy to be critical of this draft. Hey, you should draft a more offensive line, but they only had six picks. They ended up with Sam Darnold, let's not forget that, and Quinn and Williams fell in their lap. So how many opportunities do you have to rebuild the offensive line in this draft?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, that's – and the thing is, they had to get a quarterback last year. You know, the yeah, trade right. they made, I felt like I felt like they had to make that trade. They had to, even though it cost them a second-round pick, I mean, how do you not move up to get your quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I really
0: like the Wesco pick, too. I mean, West Virginia is like an hour from here. I've seen a lot of West Virginia football. He kind of reminds me of like a Rhett Ellison, fullback, tight end, great special teamer. I really like Chris Herndon, but Wesco's a much different player – um, I think he's going to be a fan favorite with with New York.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the role he'll play. He'll play some fullback for them. He'll be a he'll be a blocker for them. Whereas I think Herndon will be the receiving tight end uh, mm-hmm. of the group. So yeah, I think I mean I, you can see where he fits in there with as a fourth round pick.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know much about Austin, the sixth rounder from Rutgers, but I do know a lot about Cashman in the fifth round. They just signed Mosley. They just signed Williamson. No relation. You know, the year before that. They don't need a linebacker. They had Lee at the time, although they probably knew they were moving him. I think this is kind of like the Quinn and Williams pick, though, that they probably had a third-round grade on the guy. He's sitting there in the fifth round, super athletic, super productive. At a minimum, he might be the best special teamer on the team. And if he he gets the opportunity, I think he might be an every-down linebacker. I was shocked he lasted to the fifth round.
1: Oh, I agree, and you know, like every year I go through and I try and study some of these prospects, and there are always guys where I say, man, I really like that guy, but he just makes no sense for the Jets, mm-hmm. and Cashman was one of those guys because I figured he was going early, I figured he was day two pick, and you know, with the way the Jets are built after giving Mosley all the money and having Avery Williamson, I mean, there was no way the Jets could justify taking a linebacker day two, now sure. you get to round five, and I mean, my view so is there. like, when you, when you get to round five, I mean, if you can find a guy who's a special teamer this year and maybe can develop it a starter later on, I, I'm less worried about position. So I thought, yeah, I thought that was a great value. I, I said right before the pick, I hope they, t- I hope they pick Cashman here. Cause I think there's, I think he, I can't believe he's fallen this far and I think he'd be a great fit for them.
0: Yeah. I hate to say it, but th- this is often how the league works that it wouldn't be surprising to me if two years from now, CJ Mosley's a good player, but he doesn't live up to the massive contract and he's a cap casualty and Cashman's waiting in the wings. I mean, it's just a wild. Wow, that sounds negative, but you sign someone to that big a deal. I mean, Mosley's not Ray Lewis. I mean, there's a chance he doesn't make, you know, play up to the contract.
1: Uh, I mean, it's going to be a Likely very difficult problem. contract right, to move yeah. up to. I mean, I think th- there's uh, an over-the-cap, they have, like, this historical data. And I think since, this, they, they found, like, since, the found, since the start of the salary cap, it's the second biggest percentage of a cap of cap space any linebacker's ever gotten in a contract. It's really? just like, I mean, it, they just pretty much gave— it seems like they gave CJ mostly a blank check and just said, whatever you want, this is what it takes to get here.
0: I mean, he's you know? a good culture guy. He's a good every-down player. But I don't think he's a special player.
1: No, I, I agree with I, – I had a lot of questions about that About that particular it, – it the other thing I could say is it, it, the Jets didn't give him a blank check. It was almost like – from what I understand, C.J. Mosley didn't want to leave Baltimore. So it's almost like he gave the Jets like some ridiculous dollar figure that he thought they'd never match, and then they actually matched it. So it's like, oh, I guess <laughs> they right, have to right. come.
0: Yeah, might as well ask for it. Uh, oh, wow, they said yes. Yeah, well, I guess I'll take it. Um, one last question for you about the current roster – my pick's going to be Chris Herndon, but who do you have as a breakout guy next year? Who's someone you're oh, excited about? Took the... my! Oh, I think your guy go ahead. Yeah, you can have I was going to go
1: No, I was going to go with Herndon because he was a guy who was, you know, fourth round pick, he was kind of under the radar. did not play, he did not have a featured role in the Miami offense, but that was not really because it, it wasn't really because of him. It was because they had Injoku who was a first round pick. He was mm-hmm. a first round talent. So he did not put up big uh, stats in college. The Jets draft him. And if you look at the numbers, like middle of the pack, number one tight end production last year for a fourth round rookie, I mean, that's pretty good. So I, I think he's the, and I, I see his targets growing this year. You know, some, some of the things I like to do is kind of listen closely to what coaches have to say. And when Adam Gase, ta- you know, Adam Gase talks about some of the guys, he, you know, he talks about, oh, this guy's good. I like this guy's skill set. And then he apparently just like lit up when somebody mentioned Chris Herndon, he goes, Oh, that's the unicorn right there. Oh, this guy's so special. He just, so effusive in the praise that I feel like he's going to be a featured part of this passing game. So, yeah, that is my breakout guy. I, I, I'm with you on that one, Matt.
0: Yeah, one thing I want people to take an eye out and, and remember, you know, Gase was in Miami when they used a high pick just last year on Gasecki. I mean, we didn't see much from him as a rookie. Herndon outproduced him. But a big thing Gase loves to do is put three receivers on one side of the field, tight end on the other. And you better be darn good to pull that off, and I bet that's the Herndon rule a lot. And I think he's going to have a really a breakout year. I'm a big fan. Um, we're going to be back here in one second, and I just want to get John's opinion on the rest of the AFC East. All right, I know this isn't exactly your area of expertise. You're more of a Jets guy, but you know the competition as well. Um, do you see the, the the I mean, the Patriots are still the team to beat. Can we just go there first?
1: Yeah, uh, no argument here. uh, Uh, As much as it kills me to say. Right, right. Yeah.
0: And I don't think their roster's as good as it's been over the years. But I said that last year and they won the Super Bowl, so I'm done saying that.
1: Yeah, me too. I said down the stretch (laughs) that this was not a vintage Patriots team, and I still don't think it was a vintage Patriots team, and they still won the championship. So (laughs) it just shows you what the Patriots are. Exactly. So,
0: I mean, I'm done saying, oh, this might be the year they might decline, all that nonsense, because as long as Belichick and Brady are there, Not only are they the best team in that division, but they're probably the best organization in the league. So uh, it's a shame. Um, I mentioned them with the Steelers and Sando was on yesterday and had some stats of how over the last 10 years, the Steelers are the second most successful team in the league, but nobody cares because the team that's number one is the best of all time. And that's kind of the case of what's going on in the East the last 20 years or whatever.
1: Yeah. No question about
0: it. Yeah. They just crush dreams. Um, I look at the Bills and think they're improving. I kind of look at them and the Jets neck and neck for number two in the position in the in the division. I would say they're a little less dysfunctional than the Jets, but I think that they're moving the right direction. They're young quarterback I like, although I prefer Darnold.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean the one thing I'll say about the Bills is the Bills kind of broke my heart because like I loved their draft, especially, like, yeah. the first two days. Like, especially day day two, they got, like, two guys that I loved in uh, Ford and Knox, the tight end. Yeah. Like, I I really wanted those guys on the Jets. Now, Jets didn't have a second-round pick, so they couldn't really get Ford. But I really liked what they did in the draft.
0: Yeah, I, I think they're building slowly but well. You know, I mean, Edmonds, Allen were the big ones last year. Very much in a Panthers-like manner. Well coached. I think they coax out two or three more wins than their talent usually, you know, would, would suggest. And if they keep it up, maybe they will be a, you know, a a perennial nine, 10, 11 win team, but I just don't see it yet.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to how the quarterback develops.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you prefer Darnold to Allen?
1: Yes, I, I wanted Darnold last year. Uh, on draft day, I said on Locked On Jets that Darnold was my number one guy. So I, mm-hmm. I did. I I liked Darnold over Allen the whole time.
0: Yeah. And do you expect him to have a big year? I think the the coaching change, the sporting cast. I think Darnold's a uh, you know ready for a big step forward.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I, and especially down the stretch last year, things really mm-hmm. started to click for him. So I think that he's, yeah, I think he's primed to have a big year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Your division's not as easy to talk about, to be honest. The two interesting teams to me are the Jets and the Bills. The Patriots, like we said, are just so good and I don't I hate analyzing them because they prove you wrong and they're always the same and they always figure it out. And I don't believe the, the Dolphins are quote tanking. But if I had to bet on who's gonna pick first overall next year, I'd probably pick Miami.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at that roster, That that's clearly a team that's trying to reboot. I mean, I, I don't know that NFL—I don't think most—teams get accused of tanking, and I, the teams aren't—the players aren't trying to lose games, the coaches aren't trying to lose games, but sometimes you just have to take a step back to take two steps forward, and I think that's what Miami's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I don't know how Rosen's going to turn out, but— I think for what they paid for him, that's a decent roll of the dice because it's not like they're committed to him if it doesn't pan out. They can always take a quarterback next year. So I like that move for them, but, I mean, I think they're in for a long year.
0: Yeah, I love that move for them. My worry is he gets beat up like he did in Arizona and then they pick first overall and then they trade him to another team, you know, like he just gets shopped. Yeah. Around. It could yeah. happen again. <laughs> right. It could be uh,
1: another Kyler Murray. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, two next situation
1: year in the league again. And he could get, he could get bumped again. Right. <laughs> then
0: he's a Bengal <laughs> next year or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's not exactly the best situation for him to succeed, but very worth the risk for them. Um, they got a long way to go though. I mean, if you were to power rank the division, I guess my question is who's two and who's three.
1: You know, every, the, everything's t- t- still so fresh with the Jets, How they, what they've done in the front office. But I guess ultimately, you know, most of the work's done for the years. So and the team is, as it will be. Um, I, maybe I'll be a homer here and just say the Jets are two. I mean, I do think it's close between the Jets and Buffalo, but I'll go with the Jets two, Buffalo three.
0: Yeah, I think the Jets have more star power. I think I trust the Bills a little more because I've seen two years of getting a lot out of the of suspect roster.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair analysis. Mm-hmm.
0: But I do think Ace is going to be a difference maker. I think he'll I think those receiving weapons including Bell will be more potent than they look on paper sitting here in May. You know, when he gets them utilized and gets in Darnold's head. I don't love the O-line, but the defense now the front seven's got guys there's there's players on the D.
1: Yeah, I mean, the question is the corner position. I think that's mm-hmm. the you know, a big question mark there. When you, you, Trumaine Johnson, can he have a bounce back here? I'm a little skeptical. Across from him, you have Daryl Roberts, who's in his late 20s, never really held a starting position in the league. Um, you have Poole in the slot who could be – I mean, he could be decent, but I think the corners are the question mark. If this defense does not – uh played expectations I think you're going to probably going to look at the, the group of corners and that's where the problem's going to lie. Yeah,
0: you might be right. And I'm sitting here thinking big picture if I'm in charge of this team, if they made me GM tomorrow and I'm thinking what do I have to do? O-line and corners. I mean, that's not the easy thing to acquire. <laughs> you know, like those are pricey positions that are non-quarterbacks.
1: Well, Matt, you know, if you want, I know some people with the Jets if you want to submit your application, I could put in a <laughs> word for you. <laughs>
0: That's a good way to end it. John is the host of Locked On Jets. You need to check him out. What's your Twitter as well, and where can they find you?
1: Uh, So I actually don't use a personal Twitter, but I do uh, run a website, Gang Green Nation, so uh, the the website's Twitter is at Gang Green Nation.
0: I I urge everybody to check it out, even if you're not a Jets fan, or certainly if you're an AFC, AFC East person. Good chatting with you, bud, and hope the whole GM thing shakes out.
1: Well, I, I do too. Uh, look forward to doing it again soon, Matt.
0: Absolutely. Over now, folks. I will be back with you on Monday. See you later.